Well, welcome everyone. Who's excited to be here today? All right. Love you early morning folks. You've had at least two, maybe three coffees in you, yes? That's where all the excitement gets going, right? Uh-huh. How many of you have been up since 5 a.m.? Handful of people, my goodness. Wonderful. How many of you have been up since 10 minutes ago? I see those hands. We're so glad that you're here. We are wrapping up our series that we've called Dream House, where we're taking a look at the church that we believe God is asking us to become over time. It's, it's going to be a process. It's not going to be instantaneous, and we're not going to get there tomorrow, but it's something that, that we believe that if we were intentional about partnering with what Jesus wants us to do and who he wants us to be, that that could make all the difference, not only for ourselves, but so many others in our region. So we're so excited that you're joining us, whether you've been here with us for our entire series or just showing up today and catching the tail end. We are so thankful that you are connecting with us. And I want to remind you, if you want to catch up or replay anything or go back and say, did he actually say that? You know, and then hold me to it later on. You can do that on our website, on our YouTube channel or our podcast and just catch up and be a part of the conversation as it continues. Week one, we talked about our mission, why we are here, what we believe we're all about, to love and live like Jesus, to live and love like Jesus, those interchangeable pieces. And then we started talking about the values we believe that are going to drive us forward. Outrageous generosity is where we started. Last week, Pastor Jamie reminded us of, of community, the importance of it, and specifically communities of discipleship and what that looks like. And today is all about multiplication, so we're going to do a little math together. Okay, here's how we're going to start. I'm going to share a few scenarios, and what I want you to do, whether you're here in person or online, is I want you to participate. You yell back at me, or you type in your chat of choice, YouTube or Facebook, the answer to what you believe this, this math problem is. And here's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for words, not numbers. I'm looking for the word that would be the example of, of growth or whatever. So here, I'll, I'll even cheat a little bit. I'll give you the words in advance. Is it an example of multiplication, addition, or subtraction? Okay? Multiplication, addition, subtraction. Everybody ready? Nobody's ready. Okay, so here we're doing it anyway. Here we go. Okay, you've got a pair of, of individuals, a husband and a wife, and they together have two children, and those two children end up producing seven grandchildren for them. What's that an example of? Hey, multiplication. Well done. Give yourselves a pat on the back. You're awake. This is good. Okay, here's another scenario. You are working for a place, a business, and in your banking account comes something periodically, whether it's bi-weekly or monthly, and it's doing something to your bank account. What is it doing to your bank account? Okay, everybody's like, I'm getting subtracted. I'm getting... <laughs> Sometimes that happens. It's called paying bills. Addition is the word I was looking for. Multiplication, man, if you are working for a place and they're multiplying your pay, keep working there forever, okay? That's the place that you need to be, okay? Most of us are just getting the addition, okay? Let's talk about the COVID-15. Here's what I'm talking about. Not a new strand of COVID. I'm talking about, you know, the 15 that you and I, you know what I'm saying? The COVID-15, and now we're working that off. What is that an example of? Subtraction. Awesome. All of those are forms of growth. And did you know that we can either be prepared for what growth is, or we just react to it? We can go to the doctor one day, 
and they say, you know what, you've got a little bit of a high cholesterol and I'm going to need you to lose some weight. And we respond to that invitation that the doctor gives us. It says, oh, I, get, I better get my stuff in order and start subtracting something. Or we can be proactive along the way and always be prepared to grow. And as we dive into this next season of life and ministry as a church here at Sea Road, we want to be prepared to the best of our ability for growth to the best of our ability. It's not going to be something that we can control, but we just want to respond to what we believe God is doing and will do in our midst, and we just want to be obedient. That is our goal. We want to multiply. What does that look like? For an answer to that, we're going to go to the scriptures and a couple of stories that Jesus told to some good friends of his found in the book of Luke, Luke chapter 15. So if you've got a Bible with you in analog paper form, open it up. If you prefer digital, you can hop on the YouVersion app, Go to the more section, events, you'll get all the sermon notes there, all the scripture there, or just hop into the text itself. Luke chapter 15, I'm going to be reading the first story first, and then we'll pause a little bit, chat a little bit, and then I'll go back and look at the second story from the same chapter. Chapter 15, starting in verse 1. Tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. This made the Pharisees and teachers of religious law complain that he was associating with such sinful people, even eating with them. So Jesus told them this story. If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go search for the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders when he arrives he will call together his friends and neighbors saying, rejoice with me because I have found my lost sheep. In the same way, there's more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. What is he referring to here? Well, the big idea that I want to touch on is this. Multiplication removes the barriers to connection. Multiplication removes the barriers to connection. In this story, you've got kind of three main characters. You've got the 99, you've got the man or the shepherd, and you've got the one. And each of them play a very different role in this story, which is very, very interesting to understand. Let's, let's look at the 99 to start. If you think about it, if you've ever hung around sheep before, I don't know if you ever have done that or had the privilege. I've got an a, a obscure cousin in the Dakotas that he farms sheep. And one time when I was like a super young dude, we were able to visit him as a family and we were talking about sheep shearing and all this good stuff. I couldn't get my mind around it, but here's what I learned about sheep. They are not that smart. Sheep are not smart at all. In fact, they are so tunnel focused and tunnel vision, they don't understand what's happening around them. So imagine being a part of this group of 99 sheep for a second. They have no idea that one is gone. Zero. They're completely selfishly focused on their own livelihood. On their own reality of what's happening right in front of them. Ooh, I'm hungry, better munch some grass. Ooh, I'm thirsty, better drink something. They will literally step on one another to get what they need. Doesn't that sound like us sometimes? Those 99, they do not understand what's going on around them because they're not lifting their heads to take a look. Imagine for a moment if they had. 
Imagine if they understood like, oh my goodness, there's a wolf that's coming to kind of eat us. Maybe I should run away or push somebody in front of me so that they get eaten first. Right? Maybe I should do that. Sometimes we walk through our lives, especially during a global pandemic, and all we can see is us. All we can see is us, our frustrations, our needs, our rights being violated, you name it. We get frustrated, we get angry, we get bitter, we get even maybe a little destructive, personally or around us. But what if, what if we could choose to live differently? What if instead of all of those tendencies that we might gravitate towards, what if we embrace something different? What if we embrace the mindset of this man, of this shepherd? See, he somehow knew that one was missing. Look around for a moment. Who's missing? Who's missing? Your friends, your neighbors, your family members that maybe participated with Sea Road or another church community previously, and maybe they're not around for a variety of different reasons. Maybe they're still afraid that if they show up in public, they're going to get COVID, but they'll go to the grocery store. Maybe they're afraid that it's been too long. They haven't shown up, and nobody's going to care that they're missing anymore. Maybe it's that person down the street that just moved in, that Jesus has been tapping you on the shoulder and saying, hey, I want you to get to know that person, and I want you to invite them into your faith community life when I give you the opportunity to do so. That coworker, that person in your classroom, the person that you meet in line at the grocery store somewhere else. What if you and I adopted the mindset of this man, of this shepherd, instead of the sheep? And we went intentionally looking for the one that was lost. See, far too often, if we're honest, if I'm honest, I'm way too focused on me. My needs, my thoughts, my dreams, my, individu my individuality, my preferences. And I can't see past any of those things. The kind of culture that we're hoping to continue to create and foster here at Sea Road is one that is welcoming no matter who you are, where you've been, where you've come from, what you're doing, what you will do in the future, you are welcome here. You are welcome here. No matter who says that you can't belong, no matter who said that you shouldn't go, you are welcome here. And whatever expression of community this ends up being over time, whether that's a service, a small group, a connection of people, a Bible study, a class, whatever it is, you are welcome that's our job. That's our responsibility. If we want to embrace multiplication, we better make room at the table. We better make room at the table. One of the benefits of having a large family is you're always cooking for a large number of people. And that, those appetites, they kind of grow over time. And so what you end up cooking in terms of volume is it continues to grow. And even when we do our best to try and cook the exact right amount, sometimes it's better to have a little bit more so that there's some left over, so there's room at the table. Now imagine if you and I would multiply ourselves in terms of our own way we choose to live, like our time. Some of us are so fixated and so controlling of our time that we do not give any margin in any way, shape, or form to meet with somebody that's different or new. Historically, I've had a cool privilege. I moved across the country during a global pandemic. 
50 years from now, that's going to be really cool. I'll probably get a tattoo of it or something. I moved across the country in a pandemic. Imagine if nobody made room for myself and my family during that move. Right? If nobody took the time to get to know us or connect with us in some way, that would be really tough. Leaving everything you knew and going to a space that you did not yet know. Now, that wasn't our story, and we're really grateful for it. And so we want to be that kind of a family. We want to be that kind of a church where we're making room relationally for somebody who is not yet connected. So look around. Who's not here yet? Who's not here yet? And will you make room for them? There's a third character in this story that I really want to take a, a deeper dive on, and that's the one lost sheep. You ever thought to yourself, how was the sheep found? Like, how did, how did the shepherd know which way to go? Well, here's the other thing that you learn about sheep when you hang about around them a little bit. Not only are they less than smart, they're also really loud. They make a lot of noise from all over their body. Lots of noise. That one lost sheep, 100%, that one lost sheep was making noise. So they knew, the shepherd knew exactly which direction to go. And, and here's the truth. Sometimes we feel lost and we just stay quiet. We keep our questions, our concerns, our hurts, our pains. We keep them to ourselves because we believe the lie in our culture that is, is we have to be individuals. We have to be self-sustaining, self-sufficient. No way. We were created for community. We were created to lean on one another. We were created to not have to try and figure it out on our own. And too many of us feel lost and alone and we say nothing. We say nothing. You know what you need to say? You need to give me a little ba ba. Right? There you go. I got a bunch of sheep. This is wonderful. If you want God to move in your life, if you want to be seen, if you want to be known, if you want to be connected, you have got to speak up. Even if it's in the quietness of your head and your heart. Even if it's in that desperation mode of like, God, why, oh, why did you bring me here? Why, oh, why did you make me work here? These aren't thoughts that are coming from my own mind. Just don't panic anybody. Why am I in this classroom? Why is this person my teacher? Why am I doing this? Why has nobody talked to me at lunch yet? Those are the questions that our creator is big enough to answer, to love you through, to move you through, to help you understand that you have a hope and a purpose and a design, even when it doesn't make sense in that moment. And I'm telling you, that sheep, that lost sheep was definitely panicking. Lost and alone, afraid, not knowing where they would go next, but they kept on speaking up. And the shepherd finds the sheep. And what, what does the shepherd do? Puts them on his shoulders, brings it back to the rest of the herd. And the rest of the herd was like, I never knew you were gone. If we could notice the people around us, if we could multiply the time that we've been given, creating margin, creating all sorts of opportunities for us to see, to know, to hear, to love, just like Jesus, wherever he places us, 
That's called being ready for multiplication. There's a second story that Jesus follows up this story with, again, in the same chapter. I want to draw your attention now to verses 8 through 10. Or suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and loses one. Won't she light a lamp and sweep the entire house and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she will call in her friends and neighbors and say, Rejoice with me because I found my lost coin. In the same way, there is joy in the presence of God's angels when even one sinner repents. Have you ever lost something? I thought it was really cool back in about 2011. I'm still working on being cool. Just ask my teenage kids. In 2011, I, ha I got handed to me a, a, a hand-me-down BlackBerry. And I was like, whoa, that's my first smartphone. I am the man. I took that thing everywhere. Had a special little couch or pouch thing for it. Not couch for the phone. I, 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 you know, that's just weird. But a pouch thing. I took it everywhere, and it was awesome. And one day, I lost it. Cannon was about two years old, didn't speak a whole heck of a lot. And he decided to take daddy's phone and hide it someplace. But he's a two-year-old. He doesn't remember. They've got like a, the, the mind of a goldfish, 10-second memory, right? And literally for hours, we were looking for my phone because it was my work phone. It wasn't just a play phone. It was my work phone. I had to do emails from that. I had to check in with people for hours. And you know what happened to me? As the time ticked on, you know what, you know what I found? I got more agitated. Anybody identify with that? Yeah, all right. Okay, good. I'm not the only insane one in this group. I got more agitated and frustrated. I lost something. My wife uses this phrase for me and for our kids that is super helpful whenever we lose something. She says, well, when we calmly clean, then we might find something. If you ever watch me clean, I am anything but a calm cleaner, okay? My intensity comes out. I'm getting it done. I'm hammering it out. Oftentimes, my kids or my wife will be like, are you angry at the broom? No, I'm just sweeping. So imagine being this lady. You got 10 silver coins, and you lose one. I mean, silver coins, that is a big deal. That's a lot of resources. So to lose one, lose a tenth of what you have set aside, maybe to help you survive for the year, help you survive for the season, whatever it is, that's a big deal. And here's the crazier thing. In her panic, she starts sweeping, and most likely she had a dirt floor. You're sweeping a dirt floor <laughs> like there's a cloud of dirt that's just coming forward. It's going to be harder to see, harder to find, but she keeps looking. She keeps looking. She's passionate about it. She won't give up until she's found it. And if we're honest, there are too many times where you and I just stop searching because it gets too hard. It's too confusing. It's too frustrating. It's too time-consuming. It costs us too much, and so we give up. We give up on a relationship with a neighbor. We give up on a relationship with a spouse, with a family member. We give up on a relationship with a creator because it got too hard, 
It was too frustrating. We just couldn't do it anymore. You know when growth happens? It happens in two different realities. When we're given a vision of, of, of something that we could grow to become or through a challenge of some kind. A crisis, you could call it. And in each one of those moments, you and I have an opportunity to choose how we're going to respond. Are we going to be prepared to grow? Or are we going to let it diminish us in some way? Because it's too hard, it's too much, it's too big, or it's too soon. One of the things we believe here as a, a church community is we believe that the love of Jesus is for everybody. And what that's going to mean is we're going to have to create room in our lives, in our spaces, in our social calendars, in our budgets, all sorts of ways so that other people can get to know who Jesus is. In a real practical way, you know how that's walking out here in 2021? We're starting something new that we as a church community have never done before. We're opening up a coffee house cafe. And some of you are completely aware of that because you follow us on social media, the Outpost Cafe. And some of you have been serving and volunteering your time there, whether that's been painting or slinging mud or doing a whole bunch of different things, breaking down walls, getting ready. Some of you have been praying for it. Some of you, some of you have been giving over and above your regular tithe and offerings to invest in this community. And, and you're like all in. And some of you just need to know the why behind this. You're maybe a little confused. Why are we doing this? Let me take you back to this story of the lost coin in this woman. Multiplication invites us into creative development. Here's what I mean by that. Thinking outside of the box. Thinking outside of what is normal. Thinking outside of what we're used to, not because we want to be known for always doing something new or different or whatever, but because Jesus is asking us to. What if the only way that people would get to know who Jesus is is over a warm cup of coffee and not coming to a church service? Would we do it? Yeah. You bet we would. What if the only way that people could uh, know about Jesus is coming to some sort of Halloween celebration called Trunk or Treat and getting a whole bunch of candy? Would we do it? Yeah, we would. What if it means hosting exercise classes in the middle of the week so that they could come and, and move their bodies but also engage their spiritual well-being in some way? Would we do it? Yeah, we would. If you and I would just allow allow ourselves for a moment to understand that God's heart is so much bigger than anything that we can possibly think of or imagine or dream up, then we will embrace the idea that it's going to challenge some of the, the status quo things that we're used to. And are we going to be okay with that when we're invited to grow and develop? Here's the third thing about multiplication that I want to just briefly touch on, and that's this. Multiplication embraces an abundance mindset, and it rejects scarcity. 
See, sometimes you and I don't want to grow because the perceived cost of growing is too much. But what we don't understand is that the cost of not growing is also too much. Have any of you had the privilege of of going to the Dead Sea before? It's located in the Middle East kind of part of our world, and it's a beautiful body of water. Do you know why they call it the Dead Sea? Because nothing lives in it. What happens in this body of water is it just, it just, it's fed by other streams, but nothing ever leaves it. And what happens, because it's so warm there, that a bunch of that water evaporates, and all that's left is an abundance of salt. So not one single thing can grow in that environment. So you know what it's become over time? The place where all the tourists go, but there's no life there. Think about that for a moment. The Dead Sea is the place where all the tourists go, but there is no life there. If we were to take the goldfish from our garden pond and drop them into the Dead Sea, guess what would happen to those goldfish? They would be dead. If we wanted to plant coral, guess what would happen in that Dead Sea environment? It would die. Nothing grows there, but all the tourists show up. Our why for multiplication is we don't want to become like the Dead Sea, the place where all the tourists come and hang out, but there's no life there. There's no life there. That's not going to be us. That's not life that Jesus invites us into. That's not life to the full, to the abundant. That's not life-giving community that we're called to live and breathe and move so that other people can know who Jesus is. We're not going to be like that. And it's going to cost us. We're going to have to think differently. And sometimes it's going to cost us relationally. There's going to be a time in our history moving forward in our not-so-distant future where we're going to have to launch people out to go start something new. And it's going to cost us relationally. And we're going to have to measure that cost and say, are we willing to pay it? Or do you want to keep everybody contained in one space? Do you want to keep things manageable? Or are we willing to allow God to multiply it according to his purpose, his design, and his dream for our city, for our region, for our country, for our world? Several months ago, we had the opportunity of celebrating our centennial as Centennial Road Church. And if you look back over the 100-year history, at different points in time, throughout that trajectory of our community, some people have taken a risk, have embraced this idea of growth and multiplication mindset. And it cost them something. Sometimes it cost them literal dollars. Sometimes it cost them time. Sometimes it cost them relationships. And at every point that they chose that, God moved, God blessed, God encouraged, God reminded who is really in control. And so as we sit here now in 2021, over 100 years later, benefiting from all of the risk, all of the favor, all of the dreams and the hopes of those that have gone before us, and of, of the blessing of God as he has walked with them along the way, are we ready to multiply?
That's a question that you and I have to answer on a personal, individual level. Am I willing to go? Am I willing to send? Am I willing to plan proactively to participate in multiplying of some kind? Well, Jason, what does that look like? Give me some practical reality. Some of us are in groups that have been the same group for years. Maybe the time has come to multiply that group, to become two or three groups. Why? So that there's room for others at the table. Back in central Alberta, I had the really cool privilege of starting something brand new for young married couples, a community where we gathered them all together. The first night that we launched this, we had 17 couples show up. It was amazing. 34 people in the room plus this guy. A few weeks went by, and, and we, would, we would inch up a little bit, and then we'd come back down, and we'd inch up, and then we'd come back down, and then we'd inch up and come back down. And some people were like, oh, that's, that's just millennials. They're never really committed to anything. Not true. You know what we uncovered? There wasn't enough room at the table. If we want to make a difference in our world, in our region, in this city, we've got to make room at our own individual tables. We've got to make room in our own collectible, collectible tables, collective tables. We've got to make room and margin for something new, something different. Led by Jesus, paving the way forward. That's one practical way. Maybe it means carving out, subtracting something from your calendar, freeing up an hour of time for something or someone. Or maybe it means re-engaging and joining a group, a group that you maybe haven't participated in for years, not just because of the pandemic, but because of other reasons that really don't matter anymore. Maybe that's what we need to do. Are you ready to grow? Let's pray. Father, I'm so thankful that we have the opportunity to learn and be mentored by these ancient stories that your son Jesus told that make a difference even today. And Father, I recognize that there will be some of us in this space that feel like the sheep, the lone sheep, all by themselves. And the truth is, we've all been like that at some point in time in our lives where we've needed to be rescued, needed to be heard, needed to be seen, needed to be loved. And Father, you've allowed us to experience all those things so that we can respond more like the shepherd and less like the other 99, having tunneled vision, tunnel focus, but we could look up and see who's missing, who's out there, who's hurting, who needs to be reminded that God loves them and respond accordingly. Jesus, I believe that you're asking us to risk. And sometimes risk and change is hard. It's frustrating. It's painful. And in all those spaces and in all those opportunities, what I'm asking, Jesus, is that you would bring us peace and a little bit of courage to keep walking forward. Peace and a little bit of courage. Father, I know that's asking a lot because some of us are facing astronomical challenge right now. 
in terms of our own physical health and well-being, in terms of our own financial well-being, in terms of our own relational health and well-being. And so, Father, I ask for miracles. Would you bring healing and hope in the moment of despair? Would you bring perspective that is aligned with your word and your vision for life? Would you bring a sense of settledness in the unsettled hearts and minds of those of us who are desperate to know that you are with us? And Father, most importantly, would you draw those who are far from you closer to yourself? And if you want to use us to recklessly and relentlessly pursue them, then so be it, Lord. We are willing. Father, may you bless us and protect us. May you make your face shine upon us, be gracious to us. Would you grant us your favor and your peace? We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.